kick back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep on making animated Star Wars, Hope Molinax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to Jedi and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of The Bad Batch. In this episode, after Hunter has been captured by the Empire, the rest of the Bad Batch have to rescue him from Kamino and from Crosshair. There will be the Bad Batch finally confronting Crosshair, and we officially have reached the end of an era. We're talking about the Bad Batch episode, Return to Kamino this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. This is the messy part of the end of the. This is the mopping up end of the part of the end of the era, which is like sounds really like gross, but it's actually grosser than that. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the empire's just like, yeah, let's just. This is like the reality of like Kylo Ren being like, race, burn the past if you have to, and it's like, okay, the empire's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we already got that down. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about that last week about how um, they they did this to the Geonosians too, and so they're just gonna wipe the Kaminoans away, and it's like goodbye everybody, and bye clones. Goodbye. Yeah, might as well might as well take out the rest of the so all those. We, we won't have to have any clone arguments after this. <laughs> but I no do more that. arguments about what to do with the clones. Yeah, though it's. Mm, I, I'm excited. I'm That's excited the to Empire's see what, for a point of view. I am excited to see what they do in season two because I feel like a big part of season two, and I'll get into some of this in my notes as well because it's all part of Hunter's journey and his changing opinion about the regs. But uh, I think a big part of season two is let's go rescue our brothers as many let's as we can. Let's go get those kids. Yeah, let's get those kids at least. Yeah, as many as we can, and like, what happened to all the babies in the tubes? Are they fine? They're probably Best not, not fine. to think about that. Blah blah yeah. blah blah. Yeah, blah, they're probably blah, not blah. fine. Star Wars, happy science fiction fantasy. Yeah, no yeah. dead babies in tubes. No, not no, yeah. No. Mm, 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 mm. So, have a good week. Yeah, it's. Not been a bad. It's it's been a, a lot of work. I had a nice, pleasant. I started a new art form on Fourth of July. Oh, fine. Uh, Saturday, Saturday, my housemate and I decided to go like see if we could find some garage sales. But you're not going to find garage sales on the Fourth of July weekend. It just doesn't it doesn't happen. So we ended up driving around, but we went to a used craft store, and I've been telling her. You know, if you ever see any felting needles and we're there and she goes, oh, here's some felting needles. They're 50 cents. This, they're like seven bucks a piece normally, but here's three of them for 50 cents. So I've started felting. I have a uh, gelato jar that had gelato in it full of Bernice's hair. Bernice is my cat for anybody who's not been following up till now. And I just have and, and we brush her a lot. She she is really into the brush. Oh, sounds like Seb. Who is it? Who isn't into the brush? 
I'm thinking of carrying a brush around with me just as an animal uh, icebreaker. But so I've been collecting her fur and I recently um, her the best brush is this carding brush, which is used for like carding wool. And I pulled out and it was getting full. So I pulled out this just wrecked big, dense rectangle of hair and uh, rolled it up into a ball and started felting. Just to, I'm making a little little cat head. No, no, I'm a, I'm not. What, what exactly is felting? You're making felt out of out oh, of okay. out of uh, some sort of you know fibrous, you know, like wool or some sort of thing like that. And you have these thin needles. Some two of them are thick. I have this one that's like, it 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 like has it act the point actually gets thinner as it goes down but if you really look at it up close it's got little notches in it that, that oh this the, okay i googled it i so have when seen you this push before. it when you push it through it's 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 grabbing onto the fiber and 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 pushing it together and i just took this like ball like the shape the size of like when i wadded it up it was probably like a softball and just started mush you know sticking the pin into it until it was basically like the size of a ping pong ball and it was just this little light piece of gray felt that was perfectly yeah. round and i, I was like i've seen this before yeah okay. i was like wow you can just sculpt with this you can just take if you have enough hair you just keep putting it down and you can like build layers and shapes and stuff by just like I, mushing I, it i confuse together. this with flocking uh, yeah, I think it's different than blocking. No, blocking, yeah, blocking. You're using, blocking, you're, yeah. using, you're using wet felt. You're using stuff you're using already felt and you're putting that felt. I, I believe that's what blocking is. That's what like hat blocking, blocking is. With an F. Flocking. Like oh, flocking. Flocking. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was confusing I'm this. I'm not with sure blocking. what blocking is. Flocking I is. Blo I don't know flocking, but I know blocking. Like uh, when something is flocked, it just has like a furry texture to it. So a lot of people, um, like you can get um, uh, uh, Funko Pops that are flocked. So yeah. instead of being plastic, they have a furry texture to them. And so when he said felting, I was like, interesting. Yeah, no, you know, and a lot was, of a lot of my housemates' hats are flocked. Now that you're mentioning it, it's it's you like you know when people like spray like Christmas trees also with like the snow mm -hmm. effect, like that's flocking mm -hmm. as well. Ah. it's giving something like a furry texture um, so i'm gonna start i'm gonna make stuff like the monster from aliens with it and stuff That's like cool. that you know fun stuff or you know i uh, it was fun when i made it into the little ball i'm like will bernice play with it answer yes <laughs> she's like a tiny me but I'm not like washing it or anything, so it's still going to be like allergenic. <laughs> you know, I don't know if people I think people mostly like they washed up, but I don't like it would be a mess to try and wash cat hair. <laughs> it's too short. You know, it's not like wool that you can get wet and then squeeze out and stuff. This would just go all over the place. And like when he says be like, it doesn't smell like me anymore. Boo. Yeah. 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 Why would I want to? Why would I want to play with this? Yeah. I had a pretty okay week. I started watching a, a new show that everybody's been telling me to watch, and I saw the first episode. I think you might like it. It's it's a little bit of a horror anime. Um, 
kind of, like, no, I wouldn't say fully Gravity Falls, but it, it's it's a little bit more horror than Gravity Falls. It's it's not as, like, one-liner Zynga. Um, but it's called Dead End Paranormal Park, and everybody's been telling me to watch Dead End, and I finally watched the first episode, it's really good. Um, and it, it's really great with the representation. If you're looking for a very diverse show with queer characters, highly recommend it. Um, and I decided I'm going to start, uh, doing recaps for the waffles. So I'm, I've been working on my first oh. episode recap for it. Um, but it stars a autistic Pakistani girl and a Jewish trans boy as the main character. And I'm like, awesome. And then the other like main character is voiced by drag queen Coco Peru. <laughs> so like, it's very gay, but it's also all about them getting a job at this amusement park. That is ran by demons, and uh, so and there's a demon named Courtney, and all she wants to do is go home. And it's a little it like the opening minutes have a jump scare that literally scared the shit out of me for me to pause and go, "What's the rating on this?" Um, but no, like uh, it's a it's a Y seven show. It's a new little show over on Netflix, and it's been out for about a month, and everybody's been telling me to watch it, and so I finally did. So guys, go check out a uh, Dead End Paranormal Park. I've got like three movie, three hot movies at least. I've got like five hot movies because they keep piling up. But like three recent hot movies that I gotta watch. I gotta watch the new Firestarter because I'm watching it for a show, and I got a uh, oh Crimes of the Future, which is the new David Cronenberg movie, and it's body horror movie which it's his return to body horror horror from quote unquote more mainstream movies which is not uh, whatever (laughs) but like so that's gonna be juicy and wonderful piece of filmmaking i'm sure and uh diabolique uh, an italian movie that thomas dj sent me that's uh based on the 60s comics there was a there was a um 60s or early 70s movie called Danger Diabolique and this is sort of another story of Diabolique but modern but it's sort of retro in style it looks really good and I'm watching The Boys and I'm watching the new Star Trek and I'm watching the Orville and then they just dropped a whole bunch of um, episodes of the show that Hope Must Never Watch uh, Westworld that I'm really looking forward (laughs) to seeing so I saw Doctor Strange, I think, since last time we were we recorded, and it was pretty good. It wasn't great, but it was it had its moments. Hmm. I didn't know half the stuff that was going on in it because I don't know that deeply into Marvel lore, but it was fun. Oh. I, I've decided I don't really like. I like the Marvel stuff set in their multiverse like loki and doctor strange and spider and the spider-mans but i don't like their theory on how the multiverse works it's very paranoid (laughs) and and linear it's always like it's it's filled with ideas that are really not as much ideas attached to a multiverse as for them to be like, okay, how do you get drama out of a multiverse? You know? <laughs> so it's like, we need danger. We need, oh, everybody in the multiverse will try to take over all the other multiverses or destroy them or something. And it's like, 
really, if there's a multiverse, that's fine. Because <laughs> it's going to happen in an infinite number of times anyway, because everything happens. So, mm-hmm. you know, so but Marvel seems to think it's like danger. It is when it happens to your reality, I guess. Yeah. But I don't know why I keep picking on our reality. Maybe we deserve it. Maybe that's what Marvel's saying, is we deserve it. The way the last, like, month has went, I'm very down for a new reality. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy. Anyway, are you ready to get into this episode? I am. Did you like it? I did. I I did like this episode. The thing about this episode that I kind of want to sit and wait until next week is... um, Right. Is only just because... I, I've only seen this episode, these episodes in the back half once. So I honestly don't remember how exactly next week plays out. But I'm plays wondering out. I'm wondering if ne- next week works as a standalone or if this should have been an hour-long finale with this episode. Mm, I think it could be an hour-long finale. I don't think it would work as watching it all. I don't think it would work as well watching it all at once because it's really like it's really sort of like move the plot forward. This makes it sound like it's not good, but it is good. It's it's a very the the idea of these two episodes is really neat in the whole cloth of Star Wars. But like, you know, and just describing how it's mechanically put together, like all the plot is right in the first episode. And then the second episode is pretty, if I recall right, it's, it's pretty just like, much kinetic, get out of the city. you know, yeah, it's how it's it's a kinetic survival story. We, we you know, the last shot of this episode spoiler is pretty much sums it up you could literally take out the next episode and just have like you could have cut away you could have cut away to the next season and have the bad batch be like yeah we barely survived that you know but they show how they survive in the i almost i almost put that in there as a note of is do you think this would have been a good finale episode just like ended the show here for the last one. shot is very finale like mm-hmm. you know yeah, they, they could have had they could have had the 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 clones fly out with crosshairs, and then the last shot, you know, under the radar of the 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 destroyers, and then just had that that last shot just being them pummeling Camino, and been like, yep, the, and 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 it would have. And uh, I, I'm sure there's some some story with crosshairs in the next one, but you know, yeah, because he yeah. doesn't. We've seen it. He doesn't go with them. He right. chooses to stay behind and stay with the Empire. Like that that was the the ending well, of they, next they, they got him they got him slung over at this point they've got him slung over um um Riker's back though. He's out cold. Yeah, but I'm just talking about like next week. In general, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I I I don't know. Like it's that that's a thing I'm gonna be thinking about and putting a pen until next week is this is a very good episode on its own. I don't know if next week's episode is a very good episode on its own, and I debate whether or not it should have been a. We'll find out. Finale. So yeah, we'll, we'll find out when we get there. Anyway, are you ready? I am ready. <clears throat> Return to Camino is the fifteenth episode of the Bad Batch. It aired on August sixth, two thousand twenty-one. It was written by Matt Michnovitz. And side hope notes: Matt Michnovitz has written some of my 
favorite episodes of Star Wars animation. We're talking about the Umbara arc, the Citadel arc, this episode. Like, ugh, I love Matt Mitchnovitz's work. Oh, some of the Rex episodes and Rebels. Oh, so good. And it was directed by Nathaniel Villanova. Some extra information for you. There's really not anything interesting as extra information because it's a finale episode. Like, they had some stuff in the trivia, but it was all, like, pedantic. Like, Rampart said all the clones were gone, but there are two on the transport that are still on Camino that fly away. Like, it, was, it wasn't anything interesting where it was, like, AZ yeah. is from these episodes. So yeah, there there wasn't really anything like juicy, interesting background stuff. But do you know who is also interesting? Ooh, and juicy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Very you are. interesting and juicy. Mm-hmm. That humidity on Dagobah is definitely making you juicy, Yoda. Yes, Yoda's got swamp ass. You are glistening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a nice way of saying what you look like. You're glistening. Yeah, sparkly Yoda. Mm, yeah. Like a, like a vampire. Mm. Well, I do have a question for you, Yoda. Yeah, a question for Yoda. Yes, oh, wise Yoda. I, I was thinking, like, you have centuries of knowledge under your belt. Much knowledge in so... much under Yoda's belt. So much knowledge. And Many then it's people all... should check out under Yoda's belt. Oh, Learn so much. No, Learn no, you just so much. You just told me you had swamp ass. That was not the best yes. way to lead up to that. <laughs> yes, swamp ass, but Yoda's sweat full of midichlorians. Mm. Just saying. <laughs> well, your question is, because you have all these centuries of vast knowledge, have you yes. ever thought about writing a memoir? Oh, maybe Yoda has, doesn't have a lot of time to, and would be big memoir man. Well, I maybe Yoda even... would hire a ghostwriter like Qui Gon or something. A, a ghostwriter? Well, I, I just you know I I'm a writer myself, and oh. I, on, on this sheet of paper, would um, have to work I... with Yoda a lot. Yes. But... Yeah, oh, and paper. I. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Uh, And I just wanted to let you know that on this sheet of paper, um, I actually wrote down some potential titles for your memoir, and I wanted you to read them off and give me your thoughts. Oh. Um. Yes, Yoda does. mm, mm, Nice. It's a good list, but Yoda doesn't have Yoda's reading glasses. Oh, you'll 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 try. But you have mm. midichlorians, and surely they help your eyesight. You, what, okay, what's, let what's, me see. Um, um, tell me what you think of that oh, first title. Oh, the, 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 the Tale of Great Yoda? Yeah, that's... Wait. That one? Something? Yoda the Great? Yoda? Wait. That's that's not what I wrote. Well, um, um... Yoda, my story? Um, no. 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 Um, I, I didn't write that either. Swamp life? Um, Who are you, Snooky? No, that's not what's written there. Yoda? What? Do you know how to read? 
Um, not in Arabish. I, I purposely typed it in Arabish and I translated uh, everyone. Um, Wait, do you do you not do you not know how to write? Why should you know how to write? Why? What does Yoda need to write? Yoda has secretaries. Oh my god. Chris, I don't think Yoda knows how to read. Oh honey, we gotta get you a tutor. Yoda knows how to read. Yoda knows how to read. Okay. Oh, oh jeez. <laughs> She's a sore spot. Wait. How did he get by on 500 years? People pick up coping me mechanisms. He might have been reading people's minds and stuff like that. True. So did he, like, give, like, papers to people to read and then read their minds? I don't... Yeah, he could have done that. I think he just got him to read it for him and did his glasses thing, probably. Oh. Oh, relied honey. On, relied on menus with pictures and stuff like that. Oh no! I feel bad. I didn't mean to put him on the spot like that. No, honestly, Rogue Yoda, a Star Wars story, is was my favorite. Uh, <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> anyway, ready again, Dad? Embarrassing. So we don't we don't well, put Yoda on any more of a spot. Yes, and I'll be reading it like a big boy right off my uh right off my google doc <laughs> you're very well preparing google doc that i oh, you know what else i also bought at the at the store where i bought the the needles what is that what is that i i hear two, it what is it two big bags full of googly eyes oh that's an amazing purchase all kinds of Google eyes, big Googly? Google eyes, Google eyes with painted irises that Google, just regular Google eyes of all size. Googly Google. eyes are underrated. They Can are. I uh, tell you about the horrible we prank we played on my boss. Involving Googly eyes. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about oh, that? Oh, let me learn something because I have a boss. <laughs> because uh and it wasn't just googly eyes it was other things as well my Ooh. boss had a horrible phobia of like eyeballs like he hated like touching like like touching his own eyeballs if he had ever do like eye drops like he just had this like weird like this like phobia of eyes and we knew this so one day around april fools knowing that he was opening the next morning me and my coworker. <laughs> stayed late and we printed off a bunch of pictures of like really up close pictures of eyeballs and we taped them to the desk we taped them to the computer monitors because we had two computers we taped them to the cash register and like when i say tape i mean like packing tape over the all completely over the picture so he would have to scrape it up and we also got googly eyes and stuck them on everything behind the counter. Uh, Excellent. 9.45 the next morning, I got a very angry phone call. <laughs> I found the Google, I found the eyes on the toilet paper. Telling me 
to come in right then and get all the fucking eyes off the counter because <laughs> he what didn't what didn't want to touch them, and it was worth it. I drove over and I like got my sis- got scissors and I was like scraping like cutting the tape off the counter. He was so mad. I'm kind of lucky I didn't l- lose my job. <laughs> <laughs> you probably lost a raise. You, uh, yeah, I probably kiss that raise did. goodbye. Yeah, I probably did, but it was worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in hindsight, it is kind of dickish because you shouldn't use people's phobias as pranks. It was a very dick thing to do. Um, and it wasn't very nice. But he also had his moments and he also wasn't very nice. So, yeah. yeah so, uh, yeah. Yeah, it you know, was, I mean, it yeah. could have been worse. You could have, you could have, like use the old peeled grapes thing and like had him reach into the cash register and find some peeled grapes or something like no, that too. Because then I would yeah, have to deal with it. Or like me. Um, That's more like I was doing the joke. No, no. I'd, I'd, but... be, I'd be like at the slaughterhouses going, do you have any goat's eyeballs? <laughs> yeah, but it, it wasn't my nicest prank because um, I actually don't, I think it was my coworker that came up with it. Like he came in with like a bag of googly eyes and he was like, let's prank our boss. And I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 As far as pranksters go, hope you still have, you still have a big wholesome. Um, you're still in the wholesome category. Gosh, we were finding like googly eyes inside of things for like a month afterwards. So, but yeah. Yep. Yep. He was not very happy with us, and in hindsight, I was it was kind of dickish, and I'm glad I didn't lose my job. But anyway, Act One. Act One, with the goo goo googly eyes. So last week, we need to start with last week because our lovely bad batch people got a distress call, and it was from our lovable Gregor, and we all love Gregor, and he's the best. And so they had to go, and they went to a place called Mount. I forgot the name of the mountain. Mount Tantalus, Tantus, Tarantula, Tantus. It's a it's a mountain with a facility inside it. Cause I didn't write down the name, and I don't remember, cause I don't give a fuck. Um, and so they rescued Gregor, and it all seems great. And they all get on the ship except for Hunter who misses his trip on the ship and he falls down at, down the side of the mountain and he gets captured by the Empire and he tells Tech to get on out of there with their family and they have, they're forced to leave Hunter behind and Hunter is captured by Crosshair. Bum bum bum! On to this week! We open with Crosshair kicking in the door and he's just like, What's up, Hunter? And Hunter's like, oh my god, we're doing this again. He's like, yeah, bitch, I waited a whole week to do this. I'm so excited to be here. Are you excited? Is everyone excited? I got ya. I got ya, buddy. And Hunter's like, they're, they're not gonna come for me. And Crosshair's like, no, they are gonna come for you. And he takes out Hunter's calm and he turns it on. And he holds it up and goes, because you guys are like fucking my little ponies with your power of friendship. And you know what? Fuck power of friendship. They're coming. Meanwhile, with the best of the, the best of the Bad Batch, with the rest of the Bad Batch, uh, they are working on fixing their ship because the Marauder got the shit kicked out of it last week, and they have to fix it. And Omega is upset. She does not want to be grounded. 
with the ship and she wants to go find Hunter and she's all upset and she's like, why is this taking so long? And Echo's like, you know, this wouldn't take so long if you would stop pacing and actually follow my orders and we could get this done faster. And if you want to save Hunter, we got to fix the ship first because there's a much bigger picture because we can't save Hunter if we don't have, like, shields. She's like, fine. So they, they finish getting the ship all fixed up and they're ready to go. And apparently they dumped Gregor with Sid, which I must say, I, this is not in my notes. Gregor hanging out with Sid sounds like a really fun time. And I actually wish I could be in that room because I would, I just kind of wish there was like a 20, like a 10 second shot over of like, yeah, we love Gregor with Sid. And we see like Gregor like chugging with Sid, like chugging beer. He's just like, with, like hanging out oh, with like Gregor Ketch and Bolo with those two goofballs that hang I was about to say with Ketch and Bolo like hanging out with yeah. Ketch and Bolo they're all drinking together and Sid's like yeah I'm racking up their bill that right about now that would be three peas in a pod yeah meanwhile Sid's just like tallying up the Bad Batch's bill behind the counter like yep they're working for me forever <laughs> anyway um, and like just like that they're ready to leave and they're ready to go find Hunter and just when they turn on their ship they find Hunter's comm device calling out for them. And they're like, huh, that's strange. Why would they do that? And Tech's like, this is a trap. And they're like, yeah, but we have to find Hunter and go back to the other place because we got to go back to Mount Tarantitantis and go find him. But Hunter is not on Mount Tarantitantis because Crosshair is taking Hunter to Camino. And they, when Hunter and Crosshair get to Camino, the place, like, the hangar's kind of dark. Like, there's, like, no lights on. And it's just, like, they're on bare bones. And, like, there are, like, four lights on. It's kind of dark and stuff. And, and Board Part is there. And Board Part's like, hello, Hunter. Welcome to the rest of your very short life here. And Hunter's like, hey, what's going on? And Board Part's like, and like walks off. He's like, he's in your care, Crosshair. And Crosshair's like, okay, come on, Hunter, let's go. And they walk off. And then random stormtrooper number two, who works for Crosshair, who I literally don't know her name, because the show never gave us their names other than like ES-02. Like the show doesn't care about them enough to put their names in my brain. So I'm not going to put in the effort to like memorize them all. Uh, she comes over and she's like, hey, board part, Crosshair's being kind of shady. And I kind of don't trust him right now because he's a clone and I don't trust him around his own squad. And Rampart's like, good, don't trust them. Fuck the clones. Let's, you know, just keep one eye on them and we're going to stay on schedule and fuck the clones. <laughs> and she's like, okay. And she goes off with Crosshair and Hunter. Back with the Bad Batch. Uh, so they're all pretty sure it's a trap. <laughs> uh, hope. Yeah? Fuck the clones over. Fuck the I don't gnomes. know if they have that other... I don't know if they have that other plan for the the, the clones, but... No, oh, we want to fuck the clones. They're beautiful. They're handsome. Okay, oh, that's right. You broke, that's right. Hope wrote this. There's, Never mind. There's a wide variety of clones. Why would I not want to fuck them? Okay, it's, muting out before I let this go like, too far. Like, like Rex is like the original fucking clone. Like, he is husband. He is the one that's just like your standard sturdy. He might He's the OFC? Yeah. Wait. OFC? Original fucking clone? The original fucking clone. 
Yes, he is the OFC. And you know what? Like, he might do the missionary position a little bit too much. He might not have much variety, but that's what someone like Gregor is for. Gregor is all for, like, yeah, whipped cream. Yeah, tassels. Yeah, pegging. Let's fucking go. Like, Gregor's down for shit. And then he's up for anything. And then we know Hauser is into aliens because he's absolutely fucking Sham and Aliti. And they are absolutely a polycule. And they all love each other. So yeah, fuck the clones. <laughs> Let's do it. Anyway, <laughs> you brought that on yourself, Chris. I was just going to keep going. But you know, yeah. you're like, no, fuck the clones over. Me, me, me. adding some water. Anyway, that was about that. Pretty Fascinating. Sure. Please continue. <laughs> and then there's Wolf and and Fives and Cut. No, no, Cut. Cut is a very good dad. Anyway, back with the bad batch. Uh, they're pretty sure they're going into a trap. There's like no way this is not a trap because it's crosshair, and of course it's a trap. But the bad batch have a super duper duper secret weapon, and it's Omega because she knows this facility better than anybody else and she knows a super secret back way to get into the city and it's a landing pad that's just like miles away from the city and they can go on the landing pad and sneak in so they arrive on this landing pad and they get into this tube system thanks to Omega's guidance and they all go underwater in the tube system we get these like really cool underwater shots and there's some fish and they arrive in the city, hooray! And they all hop off and they're great. And Tech is like, so we're in this building now and the landing pad and this building are not on the schematics. How do you know about this? And Omega seems kind of sad as she answers. And she says she knows it because that was Nalose's private research lab. And Echo's like, why are you so upset about all this? And she's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's okay. Despite a few episodes ago, Hunter promised me that I would never, ever, ever have to come back to Camino ever again. But we're here and we're going to make the best of it. It's fine. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay, well, let's uh, move out then. Back with Hunter and Crosshair. Hunter, they're all walking down the hallways and there's like two people there pushing stuff around and hunter's like so where's all the regs and crosshair's like why the fuck do you care about the regs and hunter's like well i've been on a character arc what about you asshole and he's like and so crosshair's like fuck your character art i'm evil now screw the rules i have dental <laughs> like two more minutes it's fine gotta use my dental now because the empire's about to fuck me over um ah, see fuck the clones <laughs> uh anyway so um i lost my spot where am i oh so they get to a room and like hunter's like crosshair the empire's using you they're phasing out clothes and crosshair's like i don't have any fucks to care about this i don't care i got you now and Crosshair's little stormtroopers are like, hey, we think the Bad Batch people are here. And Crosshair's like, great. I don't give a fuck. And he's like, I want the Bad Batch members to come to me. Because you know what the Bad Batch do? They don't leave their own behind. Right, Hunter? Right, Hunter? You don't leave your own behind. 
most of the time. Most of the time you don't, but you left me behind. You know, we had a very good thing, bro. We were raised together, and you left me behind. What the fuck? What the fuck, Hunter? You left me behind, but I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I'm fine. I'm fine. We're cool. We're cool. We're fine. We're fine. We're fine. We're fine. It's good. It's all good. It's great. It's great. It's great, even. It's great. And everybody in that room is like, uh, do you need a minute? And Crosshair's like, I'm fine! And Hunter's like, uh, you tried to murder us. Of course we didn't have a choice to leave you. And Crosshair asks, and I did? Hinting that maybe his chip made him do it. And then bum 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 drama. I'm just gonna end it there. There's weird places to break up this episode. So I'm yeah. gonna just end it there for drama. That's right about where I ended it. And, you know, I, I, although I'll get more into Crosshair's bullshit in the next, in my next set of notes, in part two's notes, but he's full of shit. Guy's full of shit. I, uh, I, I, I have a lot of feelings about Crosshair in this episode, so I'm, 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 I'm yes. with you on a lot of Crosshair notes. His, his, I, I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's bad story-wise, but I just think he's full, he's, he's pulling some bullshit, but it's the kind of bullshit maybe somebody like <laughs> Writing, excellent. Character, asshole. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um, okay, so there's some great, when they're, when they're pulling into Camino, there's some great prequel-sounding Camino music, just dark and and very prequel sounding. I love it when the music sounds prequely. I love I love the classic trilogy music too, but I think it gets overdone in in Star Wars and I don't think there's enough prequel prequel music love in there. And I don't know why why that is, you know, and, and it happened in Obi-Wan too. There could have been a lot of there could have been some nice duel of the fates in there. That's a very, I don't know very if it's, common criticism of Obi Wan. I don't know. I don't know if it might be like Disney has there's different it could be copyright stuff and Disney doesn't wanna it pay out to something. I don't know. To pre- it can't be that because they own the copyrights. I, yeah, I don't yeah, I don't I don't I, I, I don't do, know. I think what, it's a what style. the aversion is, I mean they're they're mining it for stories, so why not mine the music along with it? It's not like people are gonna go like, ew, prequel music. They're more likely to get get uppity about like prequel characters or something than the music. So I always love when I hear something that <laughs> or sounds actors pre- who are not what they want. Yeah. Um, I I noted I I just had a little realization that Camino and tattooing are planets that we both keep revisiting, and they're both ruined planets. They're both planets that had a a a varied ecosystem that and and they're like opposites. You know, tattooing became a a desert wasteland, and and Camino became all water. You know, and and both of them have like still still the natives are trying to eke out an existence in them they're still active planets even though they they've just been like their ecosystem has been completely like stripped into a mono ecosystem i mean that's exactly uh, the reason why the kaminoans started uh cloning because they were just like oh shit we're gonna die if we don't figure gotta, this out yeah gotta do something um um and my only other note is there's you, you know just the 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 CG of the of the, all the rain on Camino has just stepped up over the years because like 
now they're doing stuff like when they're out in the rain, they're, they're, they have like little lights on their wristbands and flashlights and stuff. And you can see that flashlight light up every sort of source of light doesn't just have like a little fog around it like they used to would used to do in something like this. You can see every drop of rain get hit by the light rays and and light up. So so you see the drops of rain in the field plus a little fuzz around it. It's very it's just really nice and like when they're walking around the rest of them are in clone outfits but they really like and this is something you don't see often in in the animation too. Is like when they're out in the rain, Omega's hair gets wet. And I have down. that very note. And it's 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 like it's 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 normal to happen in rain, and it looks like wet hair, but it's like something you don't see. Even like you know, back a few years when somebody would be coming out of swimming underwater, you wouldn't have that nice of uh, matted wet hair that looked realistic. It was just really nice. Yeah, like, um, I, I, that's a good segue because that's actually like my only shallow note I have is it's a heck of a lot of work and very expensive yeah. to animate rain. Um, and to, to touch on what you were saying about the lights, I realized this as you were talking. Um, I am, you know, I've criticized before, like when scenes are dark and not being able to see them. And that, and something that I think animation does well is you, they usually light scenes to where you can see them. But they do it very logically here because they are away from the city. Their only light source is the platform lights and their own yeah. gear. So it's actually yeah. a very dark scene, but it's appropriately dark because there's no starlight. There's no moonlight. Like their only sources of light are it's thunder dark. flashes and, and everything around them. But you can still see it's, what's happening. It's, 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 yeah, it's dark, but they make sure to light key points. It's really funny. There's a, there's a horror movie called Return of the Living Dead. That shows a that that like shows a scene that's happening in the dark and it only has a couple street lamps lighting it, but they you know but they show like okay they bounce some light off here bounce some light off here that you know there's parts where the zombies are running you can't see them but that's in between here and it been, builds you know they worked it out whereas like these days when they do a dark scene they usually shoot a scene and then they just turn the the light down and the yeah, in the post we, editing we, pro and it looks awful. We talked but you about don't that. Really do that the... with animation. So so they really thought it out. So it's dark, but key parts are lit and key areas are lit, so you can see what's going on with everything. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's it's well done. Yeah, and yeah, it about... takes a lot more time to d and effort to do that too. We talked about that in the first Phoenix Shand episode in season one of Mando when they're having that when she's having when she's finding Din and Toro Calican, um, you can't see what's happening. And then some yeah. of that is to hide that they're using stunt doubles, of course, but like you still need to be able to see the action and it's all just kind yeah. of like matted and blurry and kind of grainy and it doesn't look good, but here they they made sure that you can always see the silhouettes. You can like see reflections in their eyes, so you can see yeah. what the characters are are following light wise. And it's yeah. this like in and the fact that they made Omega's hair wet. Hair is this like very tricky thing to animate wet, and we don't see like you know because Resistance was so stylized when Kaz's hair got wet when he was underwater because it's such a stylized um, show. They could keep it very 
I don't want to say blocky because that's not what I'm that's not what I mean. But yeah. it, it fit the style of the show. And Clone Wars is a very the Clone Wars style is very hard to pull off like wet looks because Rebels was able to do the hot hashtag hot callus hair in the season three finale. Um, and Dave Filoni had talked about like how that one little strip of hair from Callus was very expensive to animate. And so the fact that they're doing this with Omega just shows how far their technology came. Well, like, luckily, I, she has short, short hair that would mat to her head that way. So it was very, so it was very motionless, you know. And but yeah, it, but it, but that's how her, that's how a kid with short hair like that, that's what their hair would look like wet. It was mm-hmm. just, yeah, it was just. And awesome. it reminded I don't I don't remember the episode, um, but there is an episode either mid to late Clone Wars, and it was the first one that had the Republic Commandos in it, their first appearance, whatever episode that was, and they arrived back at the Jedi Temple. They were escorting a dead Jedi in a coffin, and it was raining, and that was the first time that they really animated rain because mm-hmm. it was they hadn't figured out the technology up to that point. So for one opening scene, it was a very expensive scene, but they finally figured out the technology to have a scene in the rain. And compare it to now where like this is so, like it looks so effortlessly done. And I know it's not effortless. It's very hard and very expensive. Um but it just shows from like that scene in Clone Wars to now how far they've grown. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that was my only shallow note. Everything else are big chunks of notes. (laughs) Well, this this and the next part are the most, like, stuff happening, you know, character-wise, for sure. I don't know. I have pretty solid notes the whole way through. (laughs) But, um, so I'll just start with the beginning, with uh, Bad Batch arriving on Kamino and getting into the, the little secret lab. I like watching Omega's reaction um, because I actually forgot that Hunter had promised her after the Cad Bane and Phoenix stuff oh, yeah. that Omega would never have to return to Camino again. And they do a good job showing how much it's emotionally affecting her. She does not want to be there. She never wanted to return to this place. These are the people who just want to slice her up and use her genes and like not treat her like a person. Yeah. Um, though, for several reasons, I like this choice to bring Omega back. Because for one, it just it automatically writes the drama of the scene and and it's sort of omega she has she's like let's we have to go get hunter she it's not like come on omega we got to go back to camino so you know i don't know if hunter worded it like we're we're never taking you back to camino or you're never gonna go to back to camino i think it was more like you never go back to Camino. he said i promise you i promise you you'll never have to return there ever again um, but the thing is, like, they're, you're right, they're just going to Hunter. If they went, if they took Hunter to, I don't know, Felucia, they would have went to Felucia. But the drama is that it's Camino. Um, and, like, that, that allows it to write itself. And they do a really good job of showing how it's affecting her. And I like that Echo asks about it, because Echo is always very attentive of Omega and her feelings. Um, and he's very aware of it. But it's also a nice choice because Omega as a character has to face her past and her origins. Um, you know, in the next arc, I'll get into it a little bit more. But, like, she's, uh, you know, she's going to show them their birthplace where the Bad Batch actually started. And um, and 
And I like this because we know that Camino is destroyed at the end of this episode. So by coming back home one last time and watching it get destroyed and decimated, the Bad Batch truly have a fresh start. They, they get some closure. There's definitely some closure in this yeah. ep- in these two episodes. It's, because that's it's all. I mean, that's all this stuff is is closure for everybody. Yeah, for the not, Empire too. <laughs> yeah, very much so. And because of the very devastation, there is no more home base. There's no more home to return to. Their home is now each other as characters. And their home is now their ship. That's it. Like they are essentially this, like the ghost crew from Rebels. And but it, but it's nice because um, it gives them that fresh start. And I also like showing how much Omega has grown. She's putting Hunter as a priority over her own fears, and that's a very mature thing for a child to do. Well, she's more mature than them. <laughs> so, um, you know, I mean, yeah, she has to. She has to decide. You know, I she's been the one who's been like, listen, we have to go back for people, back for people all the time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this puts it to the test for her. And she is the key. She knows this place better than anyone. Yeah. Like she's the like if like what if she didn't come along? What would have they have done? Probably landed in a hangar and got shot at or blown yeah. up. <laughs> like there's like that's the thing. Like she is the key to the, this mission. Um. My next note is about Crosshair's trooper person um, talking to Rampart about not trusting Crosshair. Um, For one, it's just a nice little scene because it punches up more of this idea of the stormtroopers replacing clones. Because Rampart's like, oh, watch him. And if he fucks up, kill him. I don't care. Um, But also, it reminded me, in a way, of the Inquisitors. And the reason it reminded me about that is the Empire wants these ranks to be competitive they want these people to be duking it out so the strongest can rise up above it yeah it's 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 a micro version of it's a mini version of the sith basically it's the top it's the same all the way down from palpatine yeah so like while that like that trooper is supposedly loyal to crosshair if he's gonna go rogue that's her opportunity to get promoted as like yeah hit like like, like yeah, new he's, crosshair. He's, he's 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 not as much saying like yeah i don't care what happens to him maybe he's also tossing her out like show a little initiative maybe he does something wrong <laughs> finger quotes you know and, <laughs> and and you have to just shoot him maybe he was going for a gun and you had to shoot him you know i just imagine rampart like if, if she actually killed if she actually killed uh Crosshair, Rampart doing like the surprise Pikachu face of just like, oh no, he died. Who could have thought? Yeah. How horrible. <gasps> Gasp. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Had anyway. to look out for yourself. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So I just, I thought that was just a nice, like, little, like, micro version of like showing, like, this is what the Empire does. Yeah. Um, my my next note is about Hunter and his character journey and his feelings about the regs. Because him asking Crosshair, where are all the regs, really shows his growth and the importance of the episodes that, of, like, Rex and Hauser and Gregor. It really put those episodes in a lot more focus and why they're important. Because think back to episode one. Episode one of this, uh, this series, the Bad Batch, I, I would even go back to Clone Wars. 
back to Clone Wars, like, the regs didn't trust them. They didn't trust the regs. They're picking fights with, like, Jesse and Kicks. Um, the only person that they kind of care about is Cody. Um, they're getting in food fights in this, these episodes. Like, the Bad Batch were outcasts. And the regs didn't like them. And they didn't like the regs outside of Echo. Because Echo was one of them. And so, compare that to now. From working with regs like Rex and Hauser and Gregor and rescuing Echo and all of that from Clone Wars to Bad Batch, Hunter's view has clearly changed. And he's now not seeing them as regs. He's starting to see them as his brothers. And that the if they're missing and they're gone, they're in danger. Like he has this fear. And he and like because the thing he keeps going back to Crosshair is Clones are being replaced. They're phasing us out. And they're not just regs anymore. They're brothers. Their brothers are being phased out. And I think this moment when he's talking, the, well, actually the multiple moments that he's trying to use that as a talking point to crosshair, that the clones are being phased out, I think that's going to be a big launching pad of season two. I think a big season two plot point is going to be the Bad Batch searching for other regs to save them and to get other allies. And because we know from the trailer that Rex is in, in the season two trailer, we know Cody is going to be in the season two trailer, but there's, but what happened to the rest of them? Where's Hauser? Where's Gregor? Like they've already made these allies already. And if they need allies, their best allies are going to be their brothers. Yeah. And it's the only family. It's literally the only family they have. They're all related. So yeah, absolutely. So part one of all my crosshair notes. I, I wanted to focus because spe- I'm going to have a lot of different crosshair notes over the course of this, the next two acts. But this one is very specifically focusing on the last line of this act where Hunter says, you know, crosshairs like you left me. And Hunter says, you tried to kill us. We didn't have a choice. And crosshair specifically says, neither did I. That's the line I want to focus on is the neither did I line, which sounds like he didn't have a choice in joining the empire we know at this point that his inhibitor chip did get activated we saw that in the first episode in the first couple episodes that it was affecting him and we know that nala tried to enhance his inhibitor chip for tarkin so we know he had it for a while what makes this line interesting to me now in hindsight is now that we've seen this episode we know that he's had this his chip removed we find that out in this episode there is a very vague place that I kind of want them to explore with Crosshair is how much did it originally was the chip? Because he here, when he says, neither did I, makes it sound like his chip was the reason he joined the Empire. Did he get it taken out and realize he actually liked the Order of the Empire and liked the power? Did the chip actually influence his mind or is crosshair just a jerk like there's so that that's such a vague yeah, it's, point it's, it's totally open because even if like even if they take off the chip took out the chip and he's like i feel the same it might have been that might have been part of his genetic you know one of his genetic traits was that he was kind of a prick and and very and know you know and prick. and very follow the boss type of guy so that statement could mean anything because if he felt that way, then yeah, that's what he had to do because he had to follow because he feels he has to follow the rules or whoever you know is ru- running the show. So it could have meant either th- you know it was vague enough to mean 
several things. I think it's all bullshit. I, I don't think he has, you know, I, they gave him, they were, they were definitely like trying to get him to come with them, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, I, he's, I he's think in, a baby. I think in episode one, it was his chip fully. I, I think like when he, when they were like, come with us and he says, no, I think he's fully taken over his chip. That's, that's my take on it. But the thing that I want to know is, did he choose to have his chip removed to see if he felt the same way? And if he, because cause that would be a valid character choice too, where he was like, okay, I know there's a chip. I know this, there's this thing because they've been enhancing it. I'm going to take this thing out and see if my feelings about the Empire are the same. So he got it voluntarily taken out and his feelings are the same. He's like, okay, this is where I need to be. Or because yeah. if they took it out and he was just like, oh God, what am I doing? Like, that's a completely different story. Um, but to go back to what you were saying, you're right. He's always been a jerk. God, in Clone Wars and during the four Bad Batch episodes, he's the one starting the fights with Jesse. <laughs> he's the one that's just like, ugh, regs. And like when Jesse's like, what the fuck did you just call me? Wrecker's like, yeah, we're going to fight now. Yay. Like, yeah, like, he's like, got, he's got sort of always, like. He's always been the instigator of all the fights from Clone Wars. He's got that sort of superiority complex of the that that genetic superiority complex that runs through the Nazis. I mean, the Empire. Ooh, and I'm gonna come back to that in a later act because I that's kind of going into part two of my crosshair notes. Ooh, yes. Um, but yeah, I, I do think like crosshair's ship is a very vague point. I kind of want them to touch on it in season two. Like, I wouldn't want like an entire flashback story of like the crosshair and his chip, and this is what happened. But I feel like that is so vague that if they are going to do a crosshair redemption arc, it is a piece of knowledge that we need to know. How much yeah. was it the chip influencing him versus his own free will? Because if it was always his free will, like if the chip didn't infect him at all, like the rest of the Bad Batch, and he did everything willingly, then that's a very different story than the chip affected him for four or five episodes, he took it out, and then made a choice. Like, those are two very different scenarios. <laughs> and that's something we kind of need to know, going like in season two. Yeah. If yeah. they're going to redeem this character. But that's all I have. Did you have anything else for Act 1? I do not. All right. You want to stick some googly eyes in Act 2? Let's do it. All right. <clears throat> Act 2. So the Bad Batch come out of the little 2B system, and they are in Nalase's private laboratory. Ah, here, Chris, make some like thunder effects. Ha 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 Laboratory. Ha 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 ha. You're not, though it would be funny if you didn't put thunder effects and then I just laugh like a doofus. That, that's fine too. I, make your choice. Either way, other works for me. I will, I'll, I'll make the choice in editing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of like the idea of me just laughing like a doofus. <laughs> um, and they're like, this is a freaky place. Where are we, Omega? And Omega's like, this is where the Bad Batch was created. I was made in this lab and then I watched the rest of you get made in this lab. Because, hey, I'm your big sister, actually, even though you're all physically older than me. But I'm actually older than all of you. And Wrecker has this look on his face like, oh, everything is different now. Okay. And so, so they're snooping around and Echo's just like, oh, everything's been wiped. 
that's weird. And they're like, yeah, and there's like nobody here. That's also weird. Everything's very fishy here in this underwater place. But oh no, there's a noise. And they're all like, ah, noise! They all pull their weapons like, ah, ah, ah! And it's AC, precious boy. Precious boy, AZ, MVP of the Fives arc, and he comes out, and he's okay! AZ's okay, everybody, and he's all just like, oh my god, I'm so happy to see you, Omega. Things have been crazy, they've been deactivating droids, they've been killing the Kaminoans, it's been a Tuesday, let me tell you. Because they got these new stormtroopers, and the clones aren't here anymore, and I'm very confused. And AC's, and Omega's like, don't worry, AZ, you're one of us now. And Hope goes, yes! <laughs> yes, because I love AZ! Um, and so they get a location on Hunter, and they move on out to go find him. Meanwhile, back with Hunter, he's still just like, Crosshair, Crosshair, we gotta listen to me. They're going to, they're going to replace the clones, Crosshair. It's your chip, Crosshair. Crosshair! Crosshair, are you listening to me? Crosshair! Crosshair's like, oh my god, I will heal you. <laughs> this is not worth it. And then they find out that the Bad Batch have tripped the signals, and alarms start going off all over the place, and it's time for some action. And Crosshair's like, thank god, I'm ready to shoot a thing. So the Bad Batch are moving through Camino, and it's all sneaky, sneak, 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 and there's a lot of sneaking going on. And they're like hiding from people. More sneak, 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 sneak. There's like a, like two minutes of sneaking. It's a lot. Uh, anyway, not really. It's like 30 seconds. But still, sneaking. And they come out under the training grounds from episode one. And they're like, oh, we're under the training grounds. Yeah, that's a trap. If Hunter's up there, this is a trap. This is going to be a bad day. But, and Tech's like, you know what? We'll go up through the lift, because they won't be expecting that. It's not like Crosshair knows all of our moves and knows what to expect. Surely Crosshair wouldn't be expecting us to know everything, and he knows everything about us. It'll be fine. And so Echo, Tech, and Wrecker all get on the lift, and they tell Omega and AZ to stay behind. And Crace, because Crosshair is after them, not her. And she's upset. She's like, no. And they're like, yes, gotta do it this time, kid. We're the hunters of the situation. And if things go bad, you get out of here and you call Rex. Don't call Sid because she's gonna make us pay for the phone charges. You don't call Sid. She will, especially because she'll be like, oh, you called me collect. And it's like, is calling collect even a thing anymore? And she's like, yes, it is for me. And then we'll have to pay her phone bill and we'll work for her forever, Omega. Call Rex. And she's like, okay. So she watches, and the Bad Batch go up the lift, and sure enough, there's Crosshair <laughs> waiting for them, and Tech's like, huh, I guess we should have walked to the front door. And Crosshair's like, God, yeah, guys, guys, we were literally raised together. I know everything about you. Like, this is a tech plan. Why are you all dumb? And Crosshair senses one of his new troopers after Omega, and the Bad Batch signal for Omega to get on out of there because people are coming to come get her. But our baby girl is smart. Baby girl is so smart because she's just like, we are not leaving them, AZ. And AZ's like, uh, why not? They told us an order and we follow orders, right? And she's like, no, no, good kids don't follow orders. Only good soldiers under order 66 follows orders and we are not. 
and she comes up with a plan that she's going to activate all the training droids to attack. Back to the drama, though. Because there's some juicy drama. Hunter looks like Crosshair. Because they're all just kind of standing there awkwardly. All the soldiers are surrounding the Bad Batch, and, and Crosshair's just kind of standing there, and Hunter's kind of standing there, and Hunter's just like, are you going to kill us? What's happening here? Why, why, what are we doing here? What's the plan? And Crosshair's like, no, I don't actually want you dead. Because I want to be better than you, Hunter. I've always wanted to be better than you. And I'm going to show you up. So I'm going to do something to you that you never did for me. I'm going to show loyalty and give you a chance to join the Empire. And they're like, no, no, we don't want to do that. What's going on in the B-plot while we think about this? And in the B-plot, the trooper finds Omega. And she's all like, oh no, what's going on? And the B-plot lady is just like, hey, we're here to have some time. What's up? And she's like, cool, what's going on in the A-plot? Back up to the drama. In the A-plot, Crosshair's like, no. No, we're, we're going to be drama. And... And the lady is like, hey, Crosshair, I found- Sorry, Hope lost her spot in the document and had to, like, mumble there randomly for a second. The lady finds Omega, and she calls Crosshair. And Crosshair is like, okay, take Omega and send her off-world. Because, shocking turn of events, Crosshair is trying to protect Omega for her own safety. And Hunter's like, why would you do that? And Crosshair's like, because she's safer that way. She's not safe with you. Do you think running around as fugitives is best for Omega? No. I'm doing what's best for Omega. And they all kind of like look at Crosshair like, oh, it's kind of big of you. And then with, if there were any good feelings about Crosshair protecting Omega, they are then trashed, like thrown into the incinerator because Crosshair starts waxing poetic about how they, the Bad Batch and clones, are superior than the regs. And he starts spewing out this, like, genetic bullshit, like this eugenics BS, just saying, like, we are better than the regs, Hunter. You should join me, because reg clones suck, and they're lonely people, but we are superior, and we're great, and also hashtag unwhitewash the Bad Batch. Like... Like, we're better than them. And Hunter's like, no, we're not better than them. They're reds. They're our brothers. And Crosshair's like, that's sweet. But I'm offering you a chance. And he takes off Hunter's uh, little handcuff thingies. He's like, last chance to join the Empire. You in? But perhaps Crosshair showed too much kindness. Because all the other stormtroopers... When, they, when he tells them to stand down, they turn on Crosshair. And they're like, no, you dirty clone. We're superior now, bitch. And Crosshair's like, oh, that's cute. And he shoots one shot that ricochets around the room. And he kills all of his stormtroopers in a single shot. Bye-bye, nameless dudes. I honestly have no recollection of who you are. And I'm going to stop there because there's only like seven minutes left in the episode. <laughs> what do you think of Act, uh, act 2? There's yeah, no good is... places to end these. No, but you, we're ending in the same place. It's funny. Uh, well, I, um, usually what I'll do is I'll look at the episode and I'm like 24 minutes, 8, 8, and 8. So I, I, I just try to get it roughly there.
Okay, I'll, my shallow notes. Uh, Hunter's bandana with the skull on it, now that we can see it really clearly, it totally looks like he bought it at a mall stand. <gasps> Bro, look at my cool <laughs> skull bandana. I got it at Hot Topic. It totally looks like a made in China, like, you know, American Rambo bandana. It's just funny. Um, AZ, look. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just making. I was gonna make another dumb hot topic joke. It's fine. Go on. Yeah, definitely, definitely the 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 bad batch are at home at hot topic. Um, Az, I never noticed it before. I don't remember noticing it before. Looks like a rebel blockade runner. He looks like the 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 oh, princess Leia ship from the his head. If you turned him sideways. And just like pushed him across the screen, he looked like a rebel blockade runner. It's kind of cool. And uh, okay, so the the reason I like this episode, even though it's really thin on everything but the crosshair plot, is it, the atmosphere in this is great. And then like, just Camino is very womb like, you know, from the original, you know, just design of it. And now all these characters are back to the womb. And instead of being this well-lit, comfortable, like warm uh, iPod looking, you know, it's very foreboding and and dark and not really depressing, but just dark and sinister. If it's not dark and sinister, it's completely white and sterile. Yeah, the the womb has just gone bad, you know. It's not full of like young hatchlings and stuff. It's just, and they're all back at, at the womb. It's it's just great, great atmosphere and you know, sort of like gothic drama, you know, it, which is very, very that period of the prequel se- um, series. So I I, I just really like the whole tone that they're setting for it. It's really interesting because there was, I remember a criticism of the prequels was that it was far cleaner. It was more clean cut than the original trilogy. But that's kind of the point here because Camino was this like very sterile, clean cut place. And you're right. It's, it's very dirty and corrupted now. The the womb has gone bad, you know, and uh, is dying. And it's just, it's very, it's spooky, creepy and kind of sad. And, and and that hangs over the whole whole episode. It's it's really good good storytelling. Um, my my only other note is just is Crosshair's bullshit. You know, oh, I just shot I I shot these stormtroopers. Now come back to the Empire with me. <laughs> these stormtroopers who weren't gonna obey my orders anymore. And you know, it's he's it's but like it's okay because it's sort of. I, I don't know if, if you could, ch- like, some people would chalk it up to bad writing. I'm more chalking it up to maybe bad writing that worked out better because Crosshairs is, just, like, having any cut and dry, like, uh, Crosshairs just leaving with the clones would have made, not leaving with the clones or just going, like, you know what, fuck it, I'm back with you guys, you're my brothers, let's just go forward. I could totally see that flying in the context of the bad batch because they're like teenagers and that's how teenagers relate to each other. You know? Oh yeah. My friend did me dirty, but you know what? We're friends. We'll just let it go. You know? 
it could have it it could have gone that way and just been like yeah let's not talk about your time with the empire you know and you know as long as you're good you're good you know like family style you know so so him being inconsistent with what he's saying and what really happened and stuff like that doesn't really bother me it sort of fits with his character i think I have a very long crosshair note, but I'm gonna do that's, it last. That's, well, it's all it's all you now, because that's all I got. I'm gonna do it last and get all my shallow notes out of the way first. Okay. <laughs> because it's a rambly little note that goes keep it goes back and forth. Um my first shallow note is I love that they brought AZ back. I, I loved him in the Clone Wars 5's arc. Um and he's part of the team now. He is Omega's longest friend. I love his friendship with Omega. And I know at the end of the Fives arc, Izzy said that they were going to wipe his memory. But I do wonder, because we've seen some precedents in this with characters like 3PO and R2, that memory wipes don't always stick with droids. They have these like kind of deep core memories. And I'm wondering if everything that happened with Fives altered Izzy's programming a little bit to make him extra protective of Omega and I'd be interested to see in season two like now because spoiler Izzy goes with them at the end of next next arc uh after the end of the next episode I'd be actually really interested if like Izzy brings up fives that like or even if he doesn't even know like he's like I remember being friends with this clone but I don't remember his name I don't remember anything about him but it makes me want to protect you Omega because he was different just like you um, but I, I love AZ as a character. I think he's a very interesting character. I think he's kind of a needed droid because this crew doesn't really have a droid. Like they have Gonky, but Gonky can't talk. He can't theorize. Yeah, we were he can't... talking about that. Remember, we were saying that um, what's his name is uh, um, basically been having to be. Oh, their Echo. Droid. Echo, yes. But yeah, and that's that's a valid point. It might allow Echo to have more more storylines focused on him as a person and not just being the utility guy to right. have someone like easy and also easy is a medical droid so they'd have someone on board like if one of them gets really wounded to help take care of them which um, they obviously all have <laughs> they all are covered with scars so yeah yeah <laughs> so i i think az is a very good choice to have here he has longevity he has history with the clones and he has a connection with Omega, and I think he's a very good choice. Um, this, this might be hope, like, kind of, like, pushing this narrative a little bit too much. What I liked about Hunter telling Crosshair, he has this very specific line when it's in one of the earlier conversations he has with Crosshair, and he tells Crosshair, I've been out there, I've seen what the Empire is doing to the galaxy, I've seen how they're pushing their will on the people, this isn't who we are, this isn't what we fought, fought for, this isn't why we fought. And I, it dawned on me, he's starting to finally sound a little bit like Echo. Because he's essentially saying everything that Echo's been saying to him all season long. And I'm like, yeah! Echo is finally getting listened to. <laughs> yeah. He's just saying he's a nice guy, but Crosshairs is just like, yeah, but I kind of am a fascist, so. <laughs> sort of <a laughs> kind of like fascist life, so, yeah. Um, the other minor note I have is about Rex. And even though that he's not here and he's not physically in the room with them, he continues to be a trusted and important member 
of this series because they don't tell Omega to go to Sid, who they've built this relationship with. They're on good terms with her. We know that Sid likes Omega, and they left Omega with Sid before. They tell her to go to Rex, and that shows where their trust lies with Rex, that he is the person who would take an Omega, understand her life as a clone, and it just gives this importance, this importance to Rex that wouldn't be there if they didn't already have built this relationship with him. And it just shows how important Rex is to the series, even when he's not in the room. And it's also like that actually got Omega to do it as they were like, instead of telling her, oh, just go hide and then escape. They were like, no, if anything happens, go get Rex. And she's like, oh, OK, it's a plan, you know, and Rex is somebody that she would definitely feel comfortable going you know it's that was a plan that they could tell her and it would totally fly with her you know that's interesting because i didn't read it that way i read it as if something happens go to rex because we'll be dead and he'll take care of you that's how i read that not as not as go get part of both Not as Rex, not as go get Rex so he can come rescue us. That's not how I took that. Um, I I took it as like he's gonna be your new family. If I think we die. that's how. Yeah, I think that's how. I think that's how. Like, but that's how Omega would read it. Is like get Rex and then Rex will come in, and you know that's probably what Hunter was thinking. But she was probably thinking Rex will come and help, and she's like, that's right, Rex will come and help, and Rex Rex would come and help. You know, so Rex, Rex will come and help raise you because we'll be dead. <laughs> um, honestly, I think Rex would be like, well, I'm going to take you to Kelt LeQuane. <laughs> Kelt LeQuane's your dad now. Yeah. Um, and Kyle would take him in, take her in because yeah. Cut and Sue were totally willing to take in. Sure. Omega, oh, yeah. So. But uh, yeah. OK, my mess of cross our notes. Um, so this isn't about one conversation. It's kind of like a mess of conversations and kind of like different points of it. But it's kind of focusing on the last one because it did kind of I forgot about this. And it did kind of take me by surprise that he wanted to protect Omega. Um, it kind of was a nice callback to the first episode where she sits with him on the bench and she's like, it's not your fault. Like, please fight this. You're one of us. And there's so much going on in, like, multiple scenes. Like, Crosshair doesn't actually want to kill the Bad Batch. And that has so many layers to that because you could read it so many different ways. Um, So he doesn't want the Bad Batch dead. So you could read it as he still has some loyalty to them. He, of course, loves them. He was raised with them. Those are his brothers. There's some sad motivations in that because a lot of Crosshair's motivation is driven by betrayal. The reason he's offering this chance to Hunter is because he has this rivalry with Hunter. He wants to best Hunter. So while he does love them, some of his motivation is because he was betrayed by them. And he's like, I'm going to be better than you. I'm going to show you what a real brother does. And I'm not going to leave you like like you left me. So there's love and there's sadness and there's also rivalry there too because better than Hunter. And then he does have that moment where he tries to protect Omega by sending her off world because again, 
he wants to be better than Hunter, and he's giving her an option that's a different life. He says that Omega won't be safe with them because they'll always be fugitives. And and that's not true that, like, Bad Batch is Omega's family. She should be with him. But in Crosshair's logic, he's, like, choosing the more logical path to give her to him is what is a better life. Yeah. Well, it's now, sort of, it's sort yeah. of taking the agency away from someone who's actually older than him, you know. Yeah, which I don't think he knows at this point. I, I think right. all he knows is that she's a kid. He doesn't know at this point. But at the, so, uh, uh, yeah. So then you have like these like you're having this conversation and it's all painting crosshair in this very sympathetic light. He's trying to show his love, his loyalty, his motivations are driven by sadness. He has this rivalry with Hunter. He seems to care about Omega. And then he does the heel turn. The heel turn about the regs. And that's when his dumb fascism spills out of his mouth. Because he starts waxing poetic about eugenics. He's like, we are superior. We have the better genes. We're better than the regs. And it just blows all the kindness out of the water because he's trashing people like Rex, like Gregor, like Hauser. These people who have deeply impacted the rest of the Bad Batch all season long. And Crosshair never got that because he has always been in the superiority complex and put in a position of power in the empire above the regs. He's always been above the regs. He's never had a chance to work with them or see them in a different light. And he embraces it. And he spews rhetoric about it. And it completely destroys all the niceness of everything he said up to that point. And it's fascinating. Like, he is, like, the reason I broke this down in so many different little parts, because this is some incredibly nuanced writing for him. He is a really well-written antagonist, because he has multiple motivations, he has multiple, he has so much history with these guys, and he's also been absolutely corrupted by fascism, and it makes him a fan Fantastic. Yeah, this such, is what you've been waiting. This is what you've been waiting for in the show, you know. Yeah, and, and I wrote that. That's <laughs> this my last kind note. of complexity. That's my character. last note. This entire sequence is also conversations I wish they've always been having all season long. Like yeah. that's my last note of this, and it's such good writing. Like you, I because he is full of shit. Well, then I mean, I mean, that's the thing is that I mean that's good. They made you wait for it. They knew you'd be waiting for it, and they get and they delivered it. You know, because. By the you know it was the, the first season was done so they did it purposely, it seems like. I don't like that they did it purposely they <laughs> have, because they should have been having all these conversations the entire time. Huh. One finale does not make up for a season, but for well in, these guys are these guys are in in Star Wars in in all of Star Wars, save for maybe early Han Solo. These guys are the most dude bro, like potentially like repressed dude bro guys who aren't going to like, you know, they're only going to talk about their feelings when there's, they got all got guns on each other, <laughs> you know, and it's the ultimate moment. And then, it, and then they, then they'll have the conversation, you know, so I I guess it fits, you know. They they definitely are the like, you know, most 
most like emotionally distant, maybe, or emotionally simple, I should say. Yeah, um, I I would that this conversation or immature, emotionally immature, stunted, maybe. Stunted, I think, is the best word of all the ones you just listed. I, I think it because um, it goes it goes back to something you said earlier in an earlier episode that like why would they open up? They've never been taught to do so. They, they, they never know, had to. They, they, they was, never. There, they don't no know reason. how to. Yeah, they don't know it, how to open up. It's not conducive to them being pure battle creatures, you know. Yeah, um, but I, yeah, like I, I find this conversation that Crosshair has is just absolutely fascinating. It's such good writing. It's such nuanced writing. This is how you write an antagonist because all the, his- The clones sh- are fi- finally hitting puberty and going, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> Wait a minute. But like oh, this, this writing- stupid. But this entire writing is just like so well done. And this actually really bumps Crosshair up to me in my mind as one of the best written characters. Um, all from this conversation because it just has so many layers to peel back and like analyze and take a look at. And yeah, he's full yeah. of shit. Yeah, he's uh, fascist. All his motivations are out of betrayal and love. And it's just, it's really interesting. He's so well written in this scene and it's so good. But he's full of shit though. <laughs> but that's all I have for Act Two. Did you have anything else? Yeah. No, I don't. I was just going to say, yeah, he's full of shit, but yeah, he, sh- he should be full of shit. Yeah, <laughs> it makes absolutely. sense for him to be full of shit. So Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right. You ready to wrap this puppy up and stick some googly eyes on it? And... Stick some googly eyes on it and send it off to your boss. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> not my boss anymore. Ex-boss. Yeah. So, act three. Act three. Meanwhile, during all this bullshit and drama going on, Omega is still facing off with the stormtrooper, and she and the stormtrooper's like, "Well, are you gonna come along with me?" And she's like, "No, ma'am, because I'm a distraction." And then Az, with the MVP move, smacks open a shelf and knocks out the stormtrooper with the shelf and knocks her down. And Az is just like, oh, "I did it! I did it!" I'm on my way to becoming Chopper the Murder Droid. I have taken a victim. <laughs> and Omega's like, good job. Let's do this thing. And she activates all the droids and they run on out of there. Not knowing that the only threat now left is Crosshair because they're not up there. They don't know that the other Stormtroopers have been taken out. But, you know, hindsight is 50-50. Or 2020. 50-50. <laughs> Hindsight is 2020. And Crosshair is still trying to convince what? his... What? <laughs> I know, I know, I know what I said. I said what I said. You either have hindsight or you don't. 50-50. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I have googly eyes on right now. It's hard to read. Um, and Crosshair is still trying to convince his bros to join the Empire. And Hunter flat out says... You don't get who we are, do you? And Hunter says they were never enemies in the first place. Like, why would they ever be enemies? Because they also loved and missed Crosshair. That's not who they are. And none of this matters because, oh no! Baby Girl's plan has been activated! And all the training droids 
comes pouring out of the walls and the floor. There's training droids everywhere, and they're shooting at our bros. And all the Bad Batch is like, shit, 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 shit. And then there's a lot of pew, pew, pews. And as the pew, pew, pews start, Hunter fucking tackles Crosshair, and they start fighting it out. You know, and like bros, like good brothers, this is how you can tell they're good brothers, they get some punches in, and they beat the crap out of each other a little bit, and then they stand up, and they all team up again. Just like the good old days. They just had to get their punches out. It's fine. They're fine now. They punched it out, and they're fine. And the music swells, and it's the Bad Batch theme music, the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, whatever the music is. Um... I love you, Kevin Kiner. I don't remember it off the top of my head. And everyone's fighting, and it's a team-up, and it's great. But oh no, the trooper that Izzy knocked out is awake again. Because <laughs> he's not Chopper the murder droid. He just knocked her out. He didn't kill her. But Izzy, gold star, you tried. So the trooper wakes up, and she gets on out of there. And she's just like, hey, Rampart, guess what? I was right, and Crosshair has joined up with the Bad Batch, because that's all she sees is Crosshair fighting with the Bad Batch. And he's like, I think he betrayed us. And Rampart pulls out his best snooty voice, he's just like, mm, don't worry, because we have a, a, an explosive surprise for them. Leave the clones to die. And she gets on out of there and gets to safety. So there's more pew pew pews, and more pew pew pews, maybe more pew pew pews, and the Bad Batch are all fighting the training droids. And as they're fighting the training droids, Rampart is just like, hello Tarkin, and he calls up Tarkin, and Tarkin's like, why are you Skyping me, Rampart? And he's like, we have gotten all the important shit from Kamino, including Nalase. We got all their cloning stuff. It's all under us now. We're going to probably move it to Mount Tarantitantis. Tarantitantis. And we can now have cloning stuff for the Empire. And Tarkin's like, you know what? You did some good work, Rampart. You can do your thing. Oh, wait, wait. I got to say my I gotta say my original trilogy line. You may fire when ready. And Rampart is like, fuck yeah. Let's move into position. So finally... Finally, the the pew pewing has stopped because the Bad Badge has defeated all the droids and all they're faced with now is Crosshair. And as Crosshair turns, Hunter is already point pointing his blaster at him and Crosshair is very outnumbered by all the Bad Badge members, including Omega and AZ who has rejoined them by now. And Crosshair reveals... <laughs> and Hunter tries one last time. He's just like, dude, you have an inhibitor chip. Well, you'll come with us, we'll take you to Rex, we'll get it taken out of you, it's all gonna be good. And Crosshair's like, joke's on you, asshole. I had my inhibitor chip removed already. And Hunter asks, when? And Crosshair literally says, does it matter? Yes, it actually really does matter, Crosshair, if we're gonna have a redemption arc for you. I really need to know this information. I had a very long note about this in Act 1. We actually do need to know this information. Ah, uh, And Hunter's like, fine. Whatever. We're all shocked now. You had your head out, so you're not just an, a, a ship asshole. You're just an asshole asshole. And Hunter stuns Crosshair and knocks him out, and Omega runs over and hugs the crap out of Cross, uh, out of Hunter. And Hunter's like, I'm so sorry that you had to come back to Camino, and I broke my promise to you. I'm so sorry, baby girl! She's like, it's fine, you would've come back for me. And he's like, you know I would. 
but it's not over yet. With Rampart moving in, it's time for them to get the heck and heck out of there. So Wrecker grabs Crosshair and they make a break for it. And they, and when when they pick up Crosshair, Hunter gets the Omega nod of approval, like, good job, little bro, we save everybody. And then that's the end of the jokes, because we get a very haunting scene as they're trying to escape. And it's just shots of Camino, a place that was once so full of life, full of so many characters that we've grown to love over the years. The last, like, what, 12 years of Clone Wars, we've met so many clones, we've fallen in love with them, that this was their home, and there are no more clones. There's no more life on Kamino. No more prequels, and the Clone Wars are over, officially. This is the end of an era for the show. Because Rampart opens fire on the city, and the Bad Batch run out and watch in horror as their home is getting mercifully, mercilessly destroyed. And all they know, all they can do is run back inside to cover, left to an unknown fate. Until next week. The end! Let's make it back three. It was good. I don't have a lot of notes on it. Like my biggest, one of my biggest notes was basically that Crosshair, Crosshair's emotional arc oddly works, which I already sort of said. Um, the the shallow note I have is, man, the explosion sounds when they start shooting Camino are beautiful sound effects. They're very crunchy. The entire thun- thunder. They sound like thunder and lightning, and they're just awesome and they and they and they they sound they sound like a sto- the thunder and lightning on the ocean you know they have that sound like they're going over it's a complex sound because it's camino so it's water so it's reflect sound but it's also raining which mutes it and it's just this it's 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 gorgeous um my only other note is a question and I'm, I'm, and and or sort of a feeling of something that could happen in the future, and uh, and it all had to do with that nod, with the nod with Hunter and Omegas. I could see. I'm giving it about twenty, twenty-five percent chance that maybe in the future we see Hunter go like, Omega, will you be the leader <laughs> of the Bad Batch? Oh, interesting. I, I, it would have to be Hunter that asks her to do it, would to pass it on her. But I, I think we're getting to the point of where, like, everybody in the Bad Batch would definitely acknowledge Omega as a leader than than Hunter, and she's kind of better at it. I ooh, she's kind of got a better gut for it, you know, than than Hunter, and and she's only getting insanely smarter and cagier as you know. Pretty soon she's gonna have all their tricks and start thinking up new. She is thinking up new tricks, so yeah. I could totally, I could totally see that happen sometime in the future. I okay, so um, I, I, that's a very interesting question. Um, I I could see it very far down the line. Um, I don't see it as a season two thing, only because, and I'm I'm just gonna because I don't think she has had enough world experience yet to do so, um, and she is still learning. Um, Neither are I, they though. 
Neither yeah, but they. but they have also, but they still, they still have traveled. They have, war, they have battle experience for sure. But I think, okay, so Hope's going to go off on a tiny spoiler here. So if you don't want a spoiler for season two, check out now. Um, or at least come back and like go for it a couple minutes. I did see a bootleg version of a scene they played at Celebration. Uh, and it was probably about a minute and a half long. And the scene opens with Omega supposedly doing her studies. And Tech comes out and like, you can't do, you can't be a good soldier unless you don't do your studies. You have to study. Um, and you have to learn like all the ships in the, in the Imperial fleet. You have to get all this knowledge in your belt. So that tells me that she's still learning and she still has a lot to learn. But I could see it because uh, Omega does age in season two. They have confirmed that that it is a time jump and she is a little older. Um, depending on how long Bad Batch goes for, I could see it like maybe like a season three or season four if she's well into her teenage years um, and she's a lot more experienced. I could see her take over a leader. Yeah. Far down the line. I don't see it as a season two thing, but I could possibly see it as a season three, season four, depending on Maybe how long Maybe season two, he'll ask her to take over and she'll be like, I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I don't, yeah, but I, I just, I don't see it as an immediate thing, but I could see it as a long-term thing. Um, yeah, 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 I, I could see it to answer your question. That's all I got, though. Um... Just to throw out uh, my shallow shallow notes, the music of this episode is excellent. Great yes, job, Kevin Steiner. Um, Rampart has kind of grown on me <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Like he's on this, like the first time I watched. Oh, those bad guys always grow on you. I know, I know. The first time I watched this, I literally just didn't give a fuck about him, and I kind of forgot he existed. Kind of generic or whatever. But. The back half of the season, we start seeing how, like, really diabolical he is. And, like, his machinations and, like, his multi-step things and how how he how he's strung along the Kaminoans and, like, how he took over Ryloth. Like, he, he, there, there's some smartness to him and, like, and he's crafty. He's definitely nowhere near the best season, villain of Star Wars. He's nowhere close to the best villain of Star Wars. But on my second viewing, he's gotten a lot more interesting because I think I noticed more of his nuances. And I like him a lot more than I did on my first viewing. I'm, I'm about the same on him. He still kind of plays generic to me. Yeah, I, I, I see that as well. Like if I think the difference is, is I watched it the first time for fun. I'm watching it the second time under like a fine tooth comb. So I was, it's much easier to see the nuances. When I'm actively looking for them, but I have to be actively looking for them, you know. And I think that's the difference. Like I would say, that Lieutenant List, who is the most bumbling of of little space Nazis, is far more memorable than Rampart, um, which is saying something because Lieutenant List sucks at his job. But that's why he's so. That's why he's a little lovable Nazi. Um. So I want to talk about the training droid scene with them fighting the training droids in the big room. I actually really like that scene because it's a nice bookend with episode one because the situation is so vastly different and the emotional beats are different. 
Um, but it's a very nice bookend. Because in episode one, the reason they fought the training droids, because they were trying to prove their value to Tarkin. And they were trying to show that the clones are good. And also, the entire team was united. Crosshair was fighting with them because they were a team. There wasn't any drama going on. Well, there was some drama, but um, they were like, you know, they, they were still united. Here, it's a very different situation. Yeah, they're fighting for their lives, but Kamino is empty and it's gone and their way of life is changing. Crosshair sides with them to 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 fight the droids, but he's not united with them, which is a very different emotional beat. He's still trying to get them to join the Empire. The Clone Way is dead. These training droids are just another example of the clones. We saw this in Clone Wars and the Domino Squad episodes that they fought these very same droids there is no future anymore with the empire so i like this book in scene with the training droids from episode one to now because it does resonate differently and the emotional beats are very different and it makes it a quite a different scene because you actually don't know where crosshair stands until he picks up his blaster and starts fighting with them but he still wants to enjoy the empire well, it's almost like they, they just sort of knee-jerk go into the mode of fight you know they're like this is something we know and can do <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and does it and it distracts us from this uncomfortable conversation that we're a stupid conversation that we're having we're gonna put a pin in our drama that this is guys. how these this is how these guys like emotionally this is the easy it's they're they're like roided gym rats this is how this is how they fucking communicate and <laughs> You know, oh, fight. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Let's beat up these robots, guys, and stop talking about this stupid feeling shit. Yeah, that, that's that's essentially what happens is yeah. they're talking. The droids come out, they put a pen in it, and then they have to go back they to the fall back scene. into the, They fall back into their old mode, the, their comfortable mode, which is beating the, the hell out of things. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, so, it all makes sense. It's all kind of dumb, but it makes sense in... Narratively speaking, it's a very yes. nice bookend. It's yes. a very nice bookend. Um, okay, so I want to preface this. I wrote this note before completely finishing the episode because I misremembered the end. So this is actually technically about next week, uh, um, next week's episode. Uh, but it's also it starts here, but the scene ends next week. So we see just just heads up. Um, it breaks my heart. That when Rampart gives the order to open fire on the city, it's a clone that puts in the command. And if and, and I thought this scene was in this week's episode, but it's next week's episode. Once the city is destroyed, the same clone is sad. Like they show his face and his voice is tight and he's like, the city is destroyed, sir. And so so just some context of why I wrote this because I misremembered the episode. Um, because that's his home and he's a clone and he put in the kill shot to destroy his home and make it happen. And what an absolutely crushing moment for him, for that one clone. And I feel like it might be a little bit of a powder keg that once more clones find out that Camino was destroyed by the Empire, I really think that's a turning point. And it's going to be a rallying moment for them to turn away from the Empire. I feel like that's going to be a moment. So I kind of want to stick a pin in this clone through Season 2 to see if that actually happens. But um, it also reminds me in a lot of way of a character named Nash, Nash Windrider, 
from the book Lost Stars. So, spoiler for Lost Stars, but the book's been out for like 10 years. But also go read it because it's an excellent book. If you want a, an original trilogy book from a certain point of view, from a different point of view, please read Lost Stars. It's really good. But um, it reminded me a lot of way of Nash Rune Rider because Nash was a Imperial. He was friends with the main character and he joins the Empire and he's from Alderaan. And he's on the bridge of the Death Star and watches the Death Star destroy his home. And it completely changes him as a person because he can't fathom the grief of losing his family and his friends and his entire world and his home and like his mother's garden, like the place he grew up in his school, like everything is gone. And it's interesting from Nat for Nash because it doesn't make him defect. It radicalizes him because he can't process his grief. It makes him go into the opposite direction and he fully dives in to the empire because he doesn't want to admit that the empire is wrong and that he helped make that happen. And he helped make the people he swore loyalty to destroy his home. And he goes full villain and it's an interesting character arc. And it just, that so watching that clone destroy his own city and his own home the place he was born reminded me so much of nash Windrider. so much yeah yeah no lost stars is a fucking it's it's the best i, I never read books. that book it's so good i don't read that book it's i i can't recommend lost stars enough it's set in uh, like against the original trilogy um and it's about to friends who are poor from this backwater world they have no future on this world so the empire shows up with all their propaganda and these two friends uh, named thane and cyana decide to join the empire and because they don't have any other future on this backwater world and so it shows their training how the empire indoctrinates people how it pits them against each other and they reach this moment where because thane and sienna are also romantic they like they'd like each other but it reaches this point where thane has to defect he just can't stay there anymore and so he defects and joins the rebels and uh cyanus stays and so it becomes like a romeo and juliet it's a really good book but it's all in the backdrop of the original trilogy it spans all three movies of the original trilogy cannot recommend lost stars enough it's so good <laughs> if you read any star wars book read lost stars it's the best claudia gray knows her shit Glitter um, on the mind's eye. You, you Two said Star that, Trek, but you... Star Wars books. Star Trek. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Fandom Freudian slip there. Um, and the only other note I have is, of course, about the final scene. Um, and it's about the montage showing Camino empty. It really, really puts a stamp on this is the end of an era. Because Camino represents not only the Clone Wars, but also what the prequel era was. It is this one final nod that this time period of the prequel era in this show is done. And it signals to the audience that the series is now moving away from the... Because we always talk about how The Bad Batch is like a sequel to Clone Wars. This stops that. They're like, no more sequel to Clone Wars. 
everything is new going forward because we're now in a completely different era. The Clone Wars are done. The prequels are done. We're now in the era of the Empire for good. There's no going home. End of an era. And I love that final montage. It's so sad. You see their bedroom and the mess hall that they had the food fight and the empty baby t- clone tubes. That, to me, is the most heartbreaking one. To see all those empty tubes. To know that babies are probably not okay. Um, you know, it says a lot. And it's so impactful to show this representation of the prequels, of what the prequels stood for, what came from them, the clean, sterile world of the prequels, and it's just bombarded and destroyed and ripped apart and set on fire. And it's it's such a powerful scene, just from the montage to the destruction. It's so powerful. The montage of destruction. Yeah, yeah. Omega's little look, they, they have a moment where they pause on her face and she just looks horrified. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's the selling point because then they put like a physical face to the horror. And it's kind of like Kaz watching his, we talked about that with Resistance when Kaz watched Hosnian Prime blow up. When you watch Force Awakens with no context, it's just a planet getting blown up. And it's different from Leia in A New Hope because Leia's from Alderaan, that's her home. We have a face to stick to it, but we didn't have that in The Force Awakens. Well, something that Resistance did so well is Kaz is from Hosnian Prime. They stuck a face of a character that we know and love to the destruction so we can see how it affects them. And that's Omega in this scene. Like, she and, and all the Bad Batch, but, like, they have that moment that lingers on her face because she's not wearing a helmet. Um, where she, we have a face to stick to this destruction. And it makes it even more impactful because these are characters we know and love. And it's so well done. Did you have anything else about the montage or the destruction of Camino or anything? No. It's pretty cool, though. It <laughs> looks amazing. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. The underwater shots of the blasters going through, like, the little things. Like, it's it looks so cool. You could tell they put all their budget into this episode. It's gothic. It's it's with the music and the the lighting and the sound. It's just, it's it's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Gorgeous and horrible in a horrible way. Yeah. Like, the literal, literal original definition of the word awesome. Because awesome used to be a negative connotation. And it's something that is so it's like so horrible that it's all inspiring. That's what the original definition of awesome is. And that's exactly what this is. It's awesome. Um, but that's all I have. If you don't have anything else, score up the episode for me, Chris. I gave it a nine. I I it it possibly could have gotten a nine point five, but I wanted to contextualize it with the next episode so i was like i'm not going to give it like i guess i can't give it a 9.5 retroactively i can because it's my show and i can do everything but i give it a nine you've done that before because um when yes we we, we have definitely done that we've definitely been like we got to see how that ending but i don't think the ending of this is going to affect this episode much how i feel about this episode i feel the next episode will be more affected by the second viewing than the fir- this first episode so that that one will be up in the air as to you know but i i remember the next episode as being fantastic though you know it's it's uh it might not have a lot like it, it might be just sort of them escaping 
and the process of it, but I remember it being relentless and just a continuation of the same doom tone, which yeah. is perfectly appropriate for what's happening here. So I'm loving it. Yeah. Ba -da -ba 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 -bum. I was going to do the same thing. I was just waiting for you to stop talking. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <loving>. <laughs> too fast. I'm too fast. Too indoctrinated, more indoctrinated by fast food than you are, Hope. No, no, I was just being polite and letting you finish talking. <laughs> I'm nice, too nice. Uh, I also gave it a nine. Um, this episode has so much emotional resonance. Um, it's gorgeous. It's it's heartbreaking in a lot, so many ways. It's these nuanced con conversations that I've wanted to have the whole time. The animation's amazing. The music is amazing. It's it's so good from beginning to end, and it just I I wish. I wish the Bad Batch was firing on these cylinders at all times because it's really great. Um, I also gave it a 9 out of 10. Hey. Well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. Uh, this week, our feedback comes from our Facebook page for our Bad Batch episode, Bounty Lost. Take it away, Chris. Uh, just, just to preface this, Gene is referring... Um, Otherwise, this is just going to sound like gobbledygook to somebody unless they follow the Akadekaganagan Theater Group. Yes, this is Gene. This is Gene referring to one of the the um, cheesy public domain comic book theater uh, plays that we did, which is an adaptation of a, uh, I believe it was Basil Wolverton comic from the the 40s, uh, Space Space Hawk. I believe it was called. Okay, I'm glad so. you explained that because it was gobbledygook to me when I read this. And yeah, I was like, I hope Chris can all, make sense all, of this. Spacehawk went and fought the pickle people on one planet. And they weren't really the pickle people. We just called them the pickle people because they they looked like gherkins. They, they looked like, just like green pickles. Okay, so Gene Hendricks says, wait, pickle people? Sounds like they need to call in the lone wolf of the void, which is Gene's character. So there you go. Not that he'd need much convincing to head back to see Queen Haba once again. Well, actually, maybe not, because he was sort of eager to get away from there. Also, we can't track you unless you plug your plot device into a power MacGuffin. Into a power MacGuffin. I almost said yeah. MacGuffin. That was in reference to, like, they couldn't track um, Omega until she actually called them, and then they were like, oh, there you are, we're coming. All right, we got another one from uh, Diego Lemos. He says, I have always found the Caminoans pretty unsettling, you and me both. The all-white aesthetic, the tone of their voices, seeing clones as property, and now these weird failed experiments left to rot in their tanks. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about them. Even Nalase is not without blame. Remember Fives? No, she's way without... Well, she's full of blame. She treated him like an object, not like a person. She murdered him! Yep. Yep. That's pretty much as ultimate objectification as you can get. That's yeah, about... she chopped him with a thing to make him off unstable, and then he was unstable for an episode, and everybody's like, oh, this one's broken, and they killed him. Like, she, she started that. Yep. If he just yep. left, he would have been fine. In the old EU, they were literally Nazis calling down the genetically inferior and being openly racist, using words like mongrel to refer to other species. Hoi, hoi, whoa. 
anyway, how do you guys feel about the Kaminoans? Mixed. <laughs> they're neat characters, but they're they're I I kind of like morally hate the Kaminoans worse than like Palpatine because of their coldness and they're just like sort of officiousness of that's I find that that that's like that what was it that phrase the banality of evil they are the banality of evil you know Palpatine's uh almost like a fake representation of evil because he's so you know florid and and he's he's a movie <laughs> whereas the Caminoans are like just doing business and more than willing to uh just be horrible um um oh what is the, what is the word for it they gets throw it's getting thrown around more and more eugenicists <laughs> they're they're creepy eugenicists yeah they're 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 more nazi than palpatine palpatine's like the movie version of nazis whereas these guys are like almost more the the reality version and he also says also yaddle had a mullet just saying that's diego's <laughs> Yeah, to, so Yaddle might have been a lesbian. Maybe that's why Yoda's so mad at her. To, she... to answer um, Diego's uh, question, um, I think we're not going to they... cover the Yaddle lesbian part. Yeah, yeah, back to it. But I want to answer the question first. <laughs> we'll circle back to that. Yeah, we'll circle back. Uh, that actually, we'll, let's take, let's do the we'll we'll do the happier thing first. Um, I like the idea of Yaddle being a mullet and squirting Yoda, and that's why he doesn't like her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because that means that Yoda's essentially just a rage-quitting dude bro yep. in text. Just like a little tiny insult, which fits his character. <laughs> yeah. so, um, I was just reading a series. That there's somebody who like um, just posts like, uh, text and tweets from essentially guys doing this where they hit on uh, uh, somebody who is gay. And they're like... Uh, and this woman was for a class project. So the, like, so the girl had texted him and, was, and she was just like, hey, um, where are you on this position uh, of this class project? And he was just like, why don't we go out to dinner? And she's just like, I don't think my girlfriend would like that. Anyway, I just need your part for the class project. And he like went off at her. He was just like, you're just confused and you don't know what you're doing and I can fix you. <laughs> and she was just like... <laughs> And he's like, I'm not going to do anything because I'm not going to scorn you. And she was like, all right, well, I screenshotted all this and I'll show the teacher. Bye. <laughs> but he like went off on her because she was gay and had a girlfriend and didn't want to date him. And that's kind of what I feel about this. Okay. Aww, poor buddy. Poor no, buddy. No, buddy. Fuck him. Aw, did <laughs> buddy him. get his ears clipped? Oh, no. Fuck him. Good. Poor tone deaf buddy. Oh. <laughs> Instead of just Poor being stunted like stunted little buddy. <laughs> in the future, here lesson for guys. In the future, if you're hitting on a girl and they're like, "I'm sorry, I have a girlfriend," you go, "Oh, my apologies. I, uh, I thank you for your time. Like, thank you for hearing me out. You're great." And you know, and just and leave it at that. <laughs> thank you for your time. It's, thank you for your time. It's really formal. No, yeah, yeah. Good, yeah, good luck though. They're just gonna. They're just gonna like. They're just gonna curve into like being like so. Um, does that mean a three ways out of the question? I mean, yeah, that's yeah, a possibility. No, I actually right? have a real life example. Um, one of my customers. I have hundreds was, of that like, exact. Yeah, like one of my customers who is just th this really sweet kind of shy guy. And he was really sweet. And he asked me out in, in the comic book store. 
And I told him, I was just like, oh, thank you. That's really lovely of you. That I, I appreciate that. That's really nice. And I was like, I'm just on the guys. I, I, I date women. And he was really cool about it. He was like, I'm so sorry about that. And I'm like, no, it was really nice and really sweet. And you know what happened? We kept being friends. Yeah. <laughs> hey, how about thing. that? It was not a thing. He kept coming. Like, he, he he did not come in for, like, a couple weeks. So I was just like, oh. And then he came in. He was just like, yeah, I've been busy with work. And I was just like, oh, it's good to see you again. And he was just like, yeah. And he got his books. And we talked about his books. And nothing changed. Because he was maybe really I was Maybe it was because I was in college and around, you know, like, bars and concerts and stuff in the 90s. But I saw so many guys who had girlfriends and, like they would get obsessed with a lesbian girl because they thought they could, they're, they're like, this is my chance for a three-way. Maybe I, you know, maybe I can hook her up, you know? So then they were awkwardly trying to finagle that with the lesbian girl and probably behind the scenes trying to finagle it with their girlfriend. And like, I don't recall anybody being ever successful surprise surprise with that <laughs> approach but i saw it like like and it was like an obsessional thing they would see it and be like oh you know there's a let that's a let you know they would be like boom in their head they'd be like ding i've i found one <laughs> we okay we've determined <laughs> they, they this, is, this is definitely a lesbian and that that means she likes girls so she might like my girlfriend and then we and you know, she, and and you know, then they always finagle in their heads like, well, probably I'm a nice guy, and they I, they would probably be in a relationship over. Your girlfriend might find out that she likes the girl more than you. What's dangerous? Well, there's always that too. I had I had a friend who had a girlfriend who wanted kept after him about wanting to have a three way with her best friend who obviously they'd been best friends before he met. So maybe uh, they'd uh, already, you know, had some had some experience to get. He would not do it because he was so deathly afraid that she would like the girl better than him. And that <laughs> he would toss and I'm like, you, you are an idiot, sir. You're an idiot. But mm -hmm. OK. <laughs> but to go back and answer uh, Diego's question. Um, I. <laughs> I... Diego's like, what the hell are they talking about after my question? <laughs> no, I, um, how do I feel about the Camino ones? I think they're very well-written villains. And I don't even use them, I don't even use the word antagonist. Crosshair is an antagonist. They're villains. But yeah, they, re they represent this, as you were saying, like this very, like, real-world atrocity. And they are very Nazi. And um, and they are like the darkest of dark gray. Yeah, they, they like Palpatine's atrocities are in dirty old like like you, they're supposed to be in an old dirty temple and stuff. And these guys are doing it in their nice little clean, beautifully designed, you know, area. And they're all just like, oh, look at this. The finest to kill and be killed. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think what Bad Batch does with them is interesting because Bad Batch gives them a lot of nuance because like there's 
like there's a moment where there's these like little moments when Nala say where she's clearly going out of her way to protect Omega. And normally that would be a heroic thing. But we don't know her. her we don't know why. Right? Yeah. She we could don't... just be valuable to her, you know, or, yeah, pride, or like or like her greatest or her or her greatest creation or something yeah. like we don't know her motivation. You can't, they like... don't even have facial expressions that you can read, you know, so they're just yeah. like. All that you can read on them is when they give each other glances and stuff like that, you know, but otherwise it's just they're just like ciphers. Yeah. And like, so I think I think Bad Batch did a lot to like give them nuance. Like, it's definitely not trying to get you to pity them. It's more trying to get you like as their way of life is dying. It's more of a commentary to me of how smart Palpatine is and his machinations that he played them so yes. well. And then, so it's not that I, I pity them. I think it's, and I think I was talking about this last week when Lama Su was killed. Um, I don't pity them because they destroyed themselves because yeah, they were, yeah. but it, it it's more of a commentary of how smart Palpatine is. But I think they're, very well written villains. In the end, it's a net good that they got their their whole cloning facility blasted out of the the <laughs> yeah universe, for the galaxy. You know? But I am yeah. interested in what they're going to do with Nalase. Um, only just because we know um, in the post credit sequence next week that she's still alive. The Empire still wants her, um, and that there's still going to be more of a story. I would be very upset if they go a route with Nala say where she's reunited with Omega and she's just like, you're my daughter and I love you. That's good. They need to write that perfectly because that's going to play horribly <laughs> if they don't write that perfectly. And even then, I would not have remorse for her because she has done so many horrible things. And I don't trust a word out of her mouth. I feel like everything that she says is for her own skin. Um so yeah, like I to, to short answer, I think they're very well written villains. I, I think they're very well written villains. They're they're new, especially in Bad Batch, because it gave them a lot of nuance. So but they're bad, they suck. <laughs> anyway, candy. Oh yes. I'm this really looks like a this. hotel this looks like a hotel candy, and I know that it that 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 uh Dario did spend some time in Israel, so yeah. So if you don't know, Chris hates oh. American Kit Kats, so our friend Dario sends us candy from all over the world to review. And we can't read the writing on this because it's in Hebrew, but these are chocolate bonbons from Israel. They're slightly two, no. two, two different colors. Like one's a darker chocolate. It looks like so. I think they're two different kinds of bonbons. Is one wow. like a four-sided and one's a six-sided? No. Well, that's just straight up a block of chocolate. There's like no internal stuff. Holy shit. Oh my god, so nice. Oh my god. It's good chocolate. It's good, it's milky. But it's just a block of chocolate. It's like a good mix of milky and dark, though. It tastes milky at first and then it's dark at the end. As the, um,. As the box says, it's chocolate. <laughs> it is. Um, there's like no creamy interior. Um, maybe they're just not bonbons. Oh, they shape differently up. and they taste the same though. They taste I differently to me. Because um, for me, the second one I'm eating currently now 
was slightly lighter in color. But I can definitely tell it's a little bit, um, the other one is, uh, was a little bit more darker. So mine are, mine are slightly different. But, mm. It's good. Mm. That is good. Mm. Thank you, Dario. We love you. We love you so much. It just made me think I haven't eaten any sugar food today, which is very rare. So this is my first, first blast of sugar for me for the day. Mm. At 10 o'clock, 10.30. <laughs> well, do you have to return to Kino? I do not. All right. Well, where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com. That's our podcast website with all the all the podcasts in it including jay guys and jedi you can go there and and uh, dig around there if you if you feel like it but we are also on um facebook at the two true freaks podcast and the two true freaks cantina and mm, we are also on twitter and our twitter account is run by space hawk the wolf of the galaxy also known as does he have a hendrix does he have a, a theme song like do 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 space hawk? <laughs> yeah, no, not really. I mean, I use like you know heroic music, but we didn't have a we don't have enough to hire a composer to write the space hawk theme. Do do so. do do space hawk. There it is. Okay. <laughs> or how about we'll take shave and a haircut? Bum ba ba da da space hawk. Da 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 space hawk. Anyway. That's where they can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? You can find me over on Jacobs and Jedi. That is our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Molinux. I'm also a staff writer for the Geeky Waffle. And I am, like I said earlier at the top of the show, I'm starting to write recaps of Dead End Paranormal Park, so you can go check those out. Um, I can't remember if I said this last week, so I'm going to say it again. Um, so for season one of Bad Batch, my friend Arsu wrote the recaps for the Bad Batch episodes. But I'm going to be writing them come fall, so I'm going to get to start re- reviewing Bad Batch in the fall, so make sure you stick around and hang out for that. So I'm very excited about it. Um, I've occasionally been on Space Waffles, which is Arzu's Star Wars show. I've also been on Straight Out of Home Video, and it came out this week, so it means it came out a few weeks ago uh, by the time you hear this. Um, I was on Gold Squadron Gaze with Charles and Bradley, and we had such a good time talking about Kenobi. They gave me time to talk about my grande boyfriend. I might have scared them in the final seconds because I, in the final seconds of the episode, I started talking about grande boyfriend's penis uh, because of course I did. And so I scandalized them, it's fine. But we actually had a really good discussion about like the commentary around it with like Moses Ingram and like the racist rhetoric that came out of it. We had a really good discussion about the characters in the show. But the one that's interesting, and I won't tell you my answer, they asked me a question of, do I think that Kenobi would have been better in animation? Because I'm the animation queen. And if you want to hear my episode, my answer to that, because um, we, we had a really good discussion about that, go listen to Gold Squadron Gaze. Uh, we had a really good time. So uh, it came out this week, so it'd be a couple weeks ago by the time this episode comes out. So go check it out. And thanks for having me on, Charles and Bradley. It was a really good time. And Bradley is real, so... Bradley is real. I know, it was my first time talking with Bradley. I've been on Gold Squadron Gaze twice before. So that should my, be a t- people should just wear that T-shirt for just a re- for just like Bradley, is, Bradley real. is real. 
with no explanation. And if he asks <laughs> exactly. me about it, they're like, exactly. And Bradley like, is coming. Bradley is real. And they're like, who's Bradley? And I'm like, exactly. It's exactly. <laughs> it. Exactly it. Who is Bradley? <laughs> He's real. Um, no, but it was it was a really good time. So go check out the episode because um, it was fun. All right. Well, I guess oh we're gonna oh we're gonna wrap up Bad Batch next week and then do the recap episode. And then we're gonna be back to stupid Mandalorian. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I just want to live in animation town. Oh uh, yeah, we're gonna be back to the Mandalorian in like two weeks. So I am so excited. Uh, anyway, it's a short season. They're short seasons. We'll they, look through they, the. We're, we're gonna whip through the Mandalorian in no time. They are, they are. Oh, I just wish it was. I wish stuff that I love, like visions, was longer. <laughs> nah, but uh, come back next week, guys, because we are. Yeah, you're getting more. I know. Oh, I can't wait till till season two of visions. Um, we'll come back next week, guys, because we're gonna wrap up season one of the Bad Batch with the episode Camino Lost. Bye bye. Bye, Camino. Bye, Camino. <laughs> You're gone. Goodbye. We'll, we'll make it better. We'll stick some googly eyes bye, on it. Bye. Stick some googly eyes on it. <laughs> Makes it better. <laughs> Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Woo! <laughs>